Hey everyone, this is Sphinx, and I hope you've been enjoying our show and the other podcasts on GameZilla Media. We invite you to check us out on patreon.com slash media to support us at either $1 or $5 tiers. If you become a patron at $5, you get tons of additional content, including an additional show from us here at Last Action Podcast. Thanks for your support, and hasta la vista, baby. And welcome back to Last Action Podcast. LPJ, Sphinx, the two of you last saw Hovercraft Joe's unconscious body carried off by goblins. You two are stuck in a dank prison cell, and the only light softly glows from a lamp with frosted up glass that casts out strange shadows on the wall. You can hear footsteps walking down the hall to your cell. Standing before you with a set of keys is Matrick on stage. It's time for the last action Hot quiz, hot shot. It's okay, motherfucker. I feel the need. The need for speed. Please, we can kill it. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Come with me if you want to live. Welcome, everyone, to this week's episode of The Last Act. Wait. The Last... What is this? Where are we? Whoa. Where's Hovercraft Joe? <laughs> Joe? What? Joe? What's that? Joe. What's that laugh? Jo- no! <laughs> no! <laughs> Excuse me. I just thought of something funny from earlier. <sighs> was it nice? It was pretty nice. He got you too? <laughs> well, yeah, I'm, I'm contractually obligated to follow Craig around. <laughs> oh, man. You signed true. one of those contracts back in the day, didn't you? That is true. Always read the fine print, folks. Yes. Well, if you couldn't tell before, you can definitely tell now. This is a very special episode of the Last Action Podcast. A crossover with uh, Noobs and Dragons here, which, I mean, it's not really a crossover. It's essentially a, a bonus Noobs and Dragons episode where we're stuck <laughs> in a parallel dimension talking about action movies. I mean, it's yeah. a crossover in that we're literally on opposite sides of the, the studio table here. Yeah. That's true. This is a weird perspective. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, like exactly opposite. We are, yeah, we completely flipped this, which uh, is kind of funny. Yeah, so for uh, the listeners of Last Action Podcast... Your friends LPJ and Sphinx have been on Noobs and Dragons Season 2, running a Dungeons and Dragons campaign, uh, you know, that, you know, from yours truly. Uh, Magic on stage joins them, uh, and uh, we went ahead and got together today, and we're talking about a, uh, a, a pretty special fantasy movie. Yeah, we definitely wanted to do, we, well, obviously, being Noobs and, dra- being Dungeons sure. and Dragons, it's fantasy-based. Uh, we wanted to do a fantasy movie. We we had some. There were some heated arguments about what we were going to do, and ultimately it came down to Willow. Honestly, you, and it came down to LPJ's time schedule. <laughs> it, did, it really did. I feel bad too because, like the other movie we wanted to do, I really, really wanted to do it. I just there's no way I could have fit it in. But we will do it at some point. It's all good. Wait, we did. We aren't covering the video game. We. <laughs> Oh, that's a different. That's, that's the, a different show on this network. Uh, that's a, that, that could be like it's, a. Technically, I'll be ba- we could do that. I'll be back in two hours. <laughs> <laughs> uh, give it like two hours and fifteen minutes uh, for the extra, uh, you know, the extra little tail end at the uh, and there in the uh, beginning. Right, that's true. All right, so we got Willow. We do. Yes, came out on May twentieth, nineteen eighty eight. That is correct. It's uh, MGM and Lucas Films and Imagine Entertainment kind of work together on this bad boy. This movie is got George Lucas written 
all over it's it. So it, does. Does. it really does. It so does. It I, is. I forgot how much George Lucas is in this movie. Not yeah. he himself, but how much George Lucas has just like just slapped his hand over it and smeared along the wall. Yeah, uh-huh. it, it might as well be in another Ewok movie. <laughs> it's know? like it's like um, kind of like a Star Wars kind of, like it's basically Star Wars. Yeah, he came up with the idea back in 72, 1972, and he said that he wanted a similar intent to Star Wars, but for younger audiences. Which makes sense. Which, yeah, this, it definitely fits that mold. The, the story is his. Mm-hmm. He is an executive producer uh, for the movie as well. But I know just from watching, you know, from us watching it, there's so many things from there that have links to either Star Wars or Indiana Jones sure. or yeah. or whatever it may or be. I legitimately forgot last time I went to go go watch it earlier this week and I got about halfway through and I was like, "Wait a second. Going to IMDb, I'm like, all makes sense." Oh, totally. <laughs> so, I, speaking of which, when was the first time you guys saw this movie? I myself, I watched it when I was really little. Uh, my neighbors across the street who, uh, when I was quite young, when my mom would be at work uh, after school, my sister and I would walk over to their house and they would like, you know, babysit. They were like friends of the family, basically, they lived you know, across the street. And uh, I, I remember bits and pieces of Willow, but not enough to have like pieced the movie together. So when I was doing research for this episode, I'm watching it. And I'm just like, oh, my Lord, this is the cutaways. The There's so much mm-hmm. that is George Lucas. And at the whole time, I was just thinking to myself, like, is that like, yeah, that's just like Star Wars. OK. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of it. Like is that, that? Yeah, that's just like Empire Strikes Back. But what about? Oh, yeah. Return of the Jedi. What about you, Magic? You guys are going to crack up. So the first time I saw this, my uh, my family had this tradition on uh-huh. New Year's Eve. We would go to the video store and we'd rent three movies. The year before, we did the Back to the Future trilogy. Yeah. So this upcoming year, I think I was seven at the six, seven at the time, mm-hmm. and we were going to do Star Wars. So we go to the video store and we're like, "All right, Return of the Jedi, Empire Strikes Back." There's no Star Wars. So we need to find an, a third movie, and that third movie just happened to be Willow. Really? Yeah. <laughs> so did you have? Did you know the connection then between? No, had no idea. Oh, I just looked funny. at the box as, as like a six year old kid. I'm like, oh, this looks like a fun little like fantasy movie. Yeah. That's cool. <laughs> nice. I, I have very little past of this movie. I just remember seeing little clips of it when I was a kid, kind of like Craig, mm-hmm. uh, and that that's it. Like when I rewatched this this week. It it all seemed very fresh and brand new to me, actually. So, um, I don't remember if I saw this in the theater. It would have been around the time where I would have seen things in the theater. Mm-hmm. I mean, I would have been eight at the time, but but maybe seven at the time. Um, yeah, but I definitely saw it when it was on HBO, uh, like immediately when it premiered on mm-hmm. on 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 cable. Uh, we might have rented it at one point after that too. But I've seen it, you know. I've seen it all the way through like two or three times over the years, and I've definitely mm-hmm. seen bits and pieces of it. Um, but this is the first time I've sat down and watched it in probably, you know. A long time. Probably 20 years, 25 years. Oh, wow. I mean, it's Same. been a while since I've sat and watched it. Yeah. Uh, it's directed by Ron Howard, and this was his about fourth or fifth uh, directing role at this time. Yeah, because he did, what did he do? Splash, Cocoon, and uh, something else before this. Hey, hey LPJ. Yeah. Do, you, do you know who's in Cocoon? 
No, I don't. I mean, I do, but I'm not saying that I do because Wait, I hate what? You. No, I hate you. It's Wilford Brimley. <laughs> I check my blood and I check it often. Diabetes. Diabetes. <laughs> this is my hell. This took a turn I was not expecting. Oh yeah, get ready. Are, are you? Do you just like every time you like get a movie? Anytime space, I can make a connection to Wilford Brimley, six degrees I've got of to. diabetes. That's exactly right. I will say though, it's because of Cocoon mm-hmm. that that George Lucas pursued Ron Howard uh, oh, to do this. That film. is correct. Yeah. So I will say that, and they actually did have. I think it's a pop quiz or my lightning round. Maybe I will wait on it. But we could probably start the lightning round if you wanted to. Yeah, we can definitely start. That's what? probably a good idea to uh, it. to start it for right now. Yeah. You guys right. ready? Sure I was thing. not told there would be a test. <laughs> oh, there's a test, all right. With ACDC in the background, which we might get in trouble for that. Anyway, question <laughs> number one. And, and, and just answer as fast as you can. Yes. What was the original title for this film? Dark Crystal? <sighs> I got nothing. Oh, I don't remember. Munchkins. Which is yeah, that's a little oh. iffy. Number two, how did George Lucas and Warwick Davis meet? Uh, on uh, Return of the Jedi. Yeah, Return correct. Of the Jedi, yep. He was Wicker the Ewok. Wicket. Wicket. Uh, whatever. <laughs> he was Wicker <laughs> the Ewok. <laughs> how, like a basket. Yeah. How did George Lucas and Ron Howard meet? American Graffiti. Correct. Oh, that's right. I was gonna say bathroom stall. <laughs> <laughs> oh Lord. Uh, what is the Rotten Tomato score of this film? Since Hovercraft Joe's not here to help 67%? us. 67%? Nope. Uh, 78. No nope. Rotten Tomato, uh, it's like 58. Yeah, it's 51. Okay. Oh. It's, I know it's low. I didn't realize it was that low. Was I low. would not have guessed that low. Cinematographer Adrian Bitter, I think I got it, might have gotten it wrong, also shot what similar famous Adrian movie Biddle. for this time period. Labyrinth? Uh, 88. Um, do I get a second guess? As you wish. Die Hard. No. Princess oh, Bride. Princess Bride. Ah, because was uh, got the connection there. I appreciate the, uh, the hint. No problem. Uh, it was nominated for two Oscars. Anyone want to guess what they are? Special effects, visual effects. Yep, visual effects. And, uh, score? Close. I'll get sound effects. Oh, sound effects. They both lost to another great childhood movie from that time that I watched way more than I ever watched this. Which, oh, which yeah. one? Well, I was asking you. It's part of the lightning oh, round. I don't know your childhood. What is this? <laughs> Who framed Roger yep. Rabbit? Oh, yeah, that's a solid also, movie. Also, another Spielberg movie. Yeah. Spielberg and Zemeckis, though. How old was Warwick Davis? 17. W- no, 18. Close. No, he was 17 when he started filming. When he started filming. All right. Well, yeah, I, I went so to the fuck end. you. All right. <laughs> there goes our clean show. <laughs> Good work, LPJ. Right down the toilet, right off the bat. And finally, Pat Roach was turned down to play what famous role in a George Lucas film? He's the big tall guy in the Han movie. Chewbacca. Really close. Han Solo. Other yeah. side. Uh, Darth, Vader? Darth Vader. Darth Vader. That's correct. There you go. He's a pretty big dude. Yeah. I, much like every single last action podcast I've been on, have a, a little bit of a highlight for the goon of the movie. Uh, so if you'd like, I can uh, lay that on you guys. Is it, is it a pop quiz? I... Uh, not yeah, necessarily. A- <laughs> you just drop another. It is now. Yeah, this is really. Yeah, this is- so yeah. Pat Roach played General Kale. 
Uh, Roach was a wrestler uh, who was a previous British and European champion. He played the tough, a lot of tough guy roles in uh, a whole lot of actually really impressive movies. Mm-hmm. Clockwork Orange, Raiders of the Lost Ark, Clash of the Titans, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, Conan the Destroyer, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. But he was in another movie that means probably a little bit more to sphinx and to a lesser extent uh lpj and i uh what james bond movie was he in i i know this so i'll wait until we let lpj give a guess and if you have a guess for a bond movie as well metric by all means uh well he's got to be a big person like tall uh so any of the goons in a bond movie in a bond movie um I don't know. I don't know. I'm sure it's a movie you really want to do, and none of us have any <laughs> the interest. <laughs> no, I kind of want to do that. Never again. Never say never again. <laughs> yeah, he was uh, so unofficial uh, James Bond movie. Uh-huh. Let's get that straight. Uh, yeah, so he he actually has had a lot of uh, uh, big roles and stuff over the the years. Or, well, maybe not big roles, but was in big movies. Well, I liked I I looked it up too. He was two people in Raiders of the Lost Ark. He's the big guy yeah. during the Himalayan fight in the bar. Oh right, and then he's also famously the guy on the tarmac that gets yeah. taken out by the propeller. the propeller during the fight <laughs> with the plane. That is a great role to have. Yeah, it is. Now, I do actually have, before we get into the movie itself, a, an actual pop quiz. Like, pop quiz, hot shot. Not one right off the top of my head. So, while they were filming Willow in New Zealand, a director who would eventually become quite big for another fantasy movie was also filming in that country. Wilford Brimley. No. Good guess. It was uh, um, Peter Jackson. Peter Jackson, yes. Peter Jackson, indeed. Peter Jackson was filming his alien movie, Bad Taste, yeah. which was a really low-budget movie. It's like his first movie. And it's funny to me that Peter Jackson, who would go on to do uh, you know the like Lord of the, uh, Lord of the Rings movies and stuff was at that time doing a crappy alien movie at the same in the same country at the same time yeah. they were doing Willow. Yeah, because there's also a lot of Lord of the Ring feel to this movie. I would say obviously those books came out way way before this movie did. Oh yeah, you um, can definitely see Hobbit vibes from uh-huh. this. Yeah, without a doubt. Yeah, and, and you know that obviously the landscape is gonna help with that as well. I mean, yeah. it looks like. A lot of it looks like Lord of the Rings. Well, yeah. they were in New Zealand, yeah, and New eventually Zealand, they'd so, go yeah. and film Lord of the Rings in New Zealand. So Exactly. Uh, it's produced by Joe Johnston, who is a huge name. Yep. We were just um, talking about him, as a matter of fact. Yeah, because he, he directed Rocketeer, right? That's right. Directed Rocketeer. Oh. He was and, really uh, Captain America, the uh, first Avenger. Correct. Hmm. Yeah. And he's also really big. He did all of Lucas's movies for visual effects. So I saw he did all three of the original trilogy of Star Wars, did yeah. all three Indiana Jones. Well, he was, um, and then he, he was, produced this. He was part of the crew. Yeah, because uh, Dennis Murin and ILM did uh, all the actual effects. Okay, and then he did produce it with Nigel Wool, which I could not find anything about him, so I'm not sure oh, about no. that. Um, and then we already mentioned that the story is by George Lucas. Um, we can talk about the music real quick, and then we can start to get into some of our. Um, cast as well certainly so the music is by james horner who is a massive name um massive yet somewhat controversial yeah i I, to to an extent controversial uh, like he murdered a person controversial like how he's gonna get into it in a second yeah so we are going to play Mm -hmm. uh willow's theme okay um which is played over and over and over again uh throughout the film 
But then there's something else we're going to play right after that that I'll share in, in just sure. a moment. Right, so, so here's, here's Willow's, Willow's theme. theme. Great song. Sure, yeah. It's very, very fantasy. Very yes. high fan or like, you know, that like high uh action, you know, kind of excitement uh that they, you know, sort of get you pumped up with. Yeah, yeah you definitely. can imagine the the sword fighting and yeah, yeah. grabbing the girl and swinging somewhere or having knights and all that kind of crap. You hey. know what you're in for as soon as you hear it. Mm-hmm. Correct. So we also have here, this is Robert Schumann's third symphony, and it's the first movement. So give us a quick listen. It definitely has some similarities. <laughs> it's not a 100% copy, but it is pretty close. Yeah, it, it's not a 100% copy, but it is almost dead on to the main theme. Yeah, it's basically a sped up version of, like Will is a sped up version of, of that theme. Yeah, and so Horner is famous for, for doing this, for taking classical pieces and kind of... Twisting them. Yeah, twisting a little bit to be that, and that's where kind of the controversy lies. Um, but nonetheless, like, it's it's still throughout the yeah. film, I thought the music was great. Yeah, even if it's not 100% original and it's a sort of a classical homage, I mean, it still fit really well with the movie. Yeah. Yeah. But I... <laughs> So, uh, obviously, Horner can get away with stuff like that because he typically uses public domain music. Mm-hmm. The theme from Willow, however, has been in, has been used in things all throughout the 80s and 90s constantly. Like, if they need a quick soundbite for a movie trailer, they'll throw this in it. If they need... Really? Yeah, it's in a ton of different things. Mm-hmm. Like, this, this particular theme is in a ton of different things. So... How much is the licensing fee from MGM and Lucasfilms to use the score in any kind of context? Um, I'm going to guess it's pricey, like million bucks. It's not that big. Um, I, I guess like maybe like $25,000. i will say 100000 then. I'll go lower. I'll go 75000 It's only 10000 which is wow. why it's used okay. a lot. However, Horner gets a cut of that every single time. So he's making money on a public domain song. Well, Horner huh. doesn't get a cut of it anymore because correct. He, he I, I just, I didn't know this. He, he died in a plane crash in he 2015. Did. He was really? flying it. Yeah. yeah. So, oh man. Yeah. Did not know that. That's depressing. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, all right. So that's our music uh, for Willow. Uh, as for our cast, we'll start with uh, Warwick Davis, who is Willow of Good. Right there we go. 
Um, we did mention during the um, lightning round that he kind of got a start from being in Return of the Jedi. I didn't know if you catch how he got that role. Oh, how he got the role in yeah. Return of the Jedi? I don't yeah. know. It, it, pretty simply, he uh, Kenny Baker, who was R2-D2, was going to play... What was it? Wicket? Wicket the Ewok. Okay. Yeah. And he got sick. So they needed someone to fill in, and it became Warwick Davis, and him and Lucas hit it off, and they actually were during the set of Return of the Jedi, we're actually talking about this. Yeah, and, and they had to there. wait to make this movie until Warwick Davis was a little bit older. So, which is why, which is why it came out in '88, and not not earlier. Which is what oh. uh, Lucas had initially planned. He had to wait until, you know, he, until Warwick Davis could at least somewhat pull off having kids in a family. Yeah, he pulls it off pretty decently. Oh yeah, he sure. does. I did notice in the film, he, you can see like pimples and zits on his face. Oh which really? Is what made me look up yeah. how old he was when the filming of it was because because he he does still look like you know he looks he's, young. Yeah, he still looks you know relatively young. Yeah, uh, he's also big. He's Leprechaun, so he's the Leprechaun yeah. in the Leprechaun yeah. horror mm-hmm. movies, and then he's also been in some Harry Potter as well. Yeah, uh, Val Kilmer is next. He is uh, Mad Mardigan. Uh, this was only his fourth film. My pop quiz. Pop quiz, hot shot. Is what movie did he do right before this one? Oh, I have no idea. We've done an episode yeah, of it. It was Top Gun. Yeah. Top oh, Gun. he was in Top Gun. Yeah, this right. is his follow up to Top Gun. Yeah, he was Iceman and then he becomes <laughs> Mad Martigan. Which is, I don't know if you know this, Mad Martigan, all one word. Yeah, I I looked that up and I was I thought it was two separate Mad Mardigan. No, no it's Mad, Mad Mardigan. I in my notes I made sure to separate it because I have standards for the English language. Sure. And yeah. Nope. Mad Mardigan. <laughs> all one word. Uh, Jean Marsh is the queen. Uh, Bav Morda, if I believe I got that right. Uh, yeah, Bav Morda. Per- yeah. Per- She's so evil. Yeah, I can't wait is. to talk about her. Yeah. <laughs> Patricia Hayes is Finn Razel. Uh, the other... Um, another witch. Yeah, another witch. Yeah, like a spellcaster or whatever. Yeah, a sorcerer or whatever it may be. So what level do you think she is? She's probably like a, like a, like a, like a 17, maybe oh, 18? don't you worry. Oh. When we get to that wizard duel, <laughs> I have a bunch of stuff I'm willing to talk about when it comes to that. Okay, fair enough. Uh, we got Billy Barty, who is the high old one, uh, who is the wizard uh, of the... What what are they called? The smaller uh, the, people? Uh, What's the name of them? They're dwarves. The I can't the think d- of the... Yeah, they have a specific name. Yeah, Honestly, in right D&D now. lore, they would be halflings. Oh, okay. You know, they, which I, to me, I thought it was weird because they're like, oh, blah, 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 this village of dwarves. And I was like, in my head, I was like, but they're like halflings, right? Like, they don't, they're not dwarves. They're not mining in a, a mountain, that, nah, whatever. Yeah, they only they don't mention it very... Oh, yeah, they don't mention it very no, often. They mention it in like a very derogatory way. Well, they call it packs. Yeah, yeah they, they keep dropping that's like racial slurs. Yeah, that's like the insult. But the, I thought it started with like an N or something. It, it, yeah, there there is. I don't remember what the uh, yeah. name is. I'll I'll remember it at some point. I'm uh, sure. Nelwins. No, no, that's what it was. Uh, Pat Roach, as as Craig had mentioned, was our general uh, general Kale. Yep. Um, that is pretty much the Queen's bodyguard, goon, yeah, goon, goon. whatever you got. Uh, I also had Gavin O'Hillary. 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 Gavin O'Hillary. Yeah. Uh, he was Eric Thobear. Um, which becomes kind of like, sort of like a friend of of Mad Mardigan in a way. Yeah, kind of like a rough, friendly rival. Yeah, um, but he was Chuck Cunningham on Happy Days, so that's how him and Ron Howard knew each other. Yep, and he was also oh. uh, in Superman Three. I don't know if you guys know. He and is, he's also a villain in Never Say Never he is Again. again. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, sorry, if I got that. rid of that. Pop and, uh, did quiz you mention uh, Joanne Whaley? Uh, you missed Joanne Whaley. No, I did miss her. Yep, Joanne Whaley plays. Um, 
uh, Sorsha, who is the That's queen's right. daughter. I also had Kevin Pollack, uh, who Kevin was a Pollack. Pollack. Thank you. Who was a Browner? I just know him. He's, he's a, yeah, Brownie. He's a, a Browner. <laughs> <laughs> that just sounds weird. It's not anything Brownie bad. Brownie doesn't sound much better. Yeah, but him and Rick Overton were the Brownies. They were the kind of the comic relief, the Timon and Pumbaa, if you would. Yeah, I have. Movie. I have oh, much God, to yeah. mention about them. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I did forget. Uh, I wanted one more thing brought up before we get into the the, the plot itself, and that is uh, the video game history. For, for Willow. So, you know, Craig is also on the Legend of Retro podcast that we have here at Gamesilla Media. So I definitely appreciate the shout out. Uh, there were three games. One was like a computer game made for like Commodore 64. It's like a first person dungeon crawling RPG. It doesn't look that fun. Capcom, however, did an arcade game that was a platformer, and Capcom did a uh, an RPG on the Nintendo, which is weird because Capcom isn't known for doing like RPGs, and it's like an adventure RPG. Uh, but Capcom would eventually do like Breath of Fire, which is a big RPG series. So it's just sort of weird that like they didn't really start with Breath of Fire; they started with Willow. Willow is an odd. It's not a full on RPG, but yeah, it's they're they're pretty cool games. The arcade game, I think, it's the probably the better of the the lot. Okay. I didn't even know about the the early one. Oh, the Commodore sixty four PC one. Yeah, it's. I saw some clips of it online because, of course, I had to look it up when I was you know looking here, and uh, it like the pointer is the wand from the movie, and I was like, that's kind of yeah. neat. And then it's like clicks, and it's like <laughs> like loads up, and I was like, okay, yeah, this doesn't. Yeah, no. All right, so you. there's a reason that we don't all know about it. <laughs> Probably. Okay, yeah. fair enough. And Matrick is a streamer for us on Games Little Meteor as well. So have you played any of these Willow games or anything you guys say about them? Or? Uh, thank you for the shout-out. Yeah, I played the uh, the Willow RPG. Okay. You know, when I was younger, it was, again, one of those things of I'd seen the movie, I go to the video store, I see the box, I pick it up. Yeah. But a lot of games in those days when you rented them didn't have instruction manuals. And without instruction manuals in a lot of those games, you are boned. <laughs> And so I could never make I never made very good progress in it. I think I rented it for two days, turned it off and never touched it again. (laughs) There we go. All right. So looking into this movie, we we kind of begin with. um, Well, we kind of get if I remember right, it's kind of like a scroll of the story. Yeah, it's a scroll about the prophecy of. So it sets up with you've got Queen Bev Morda who has taken control of the land and is trying to um, uh, uh, take more control of the land, trying trying to to expand her empire. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's a prophecy of a child who will be born with a special birthmark who will have, who is prophesized to kill Bav Morda and uh, end her reign of terror, essentially. Yeah, like she, she's destined to become an empress who will rule the land justly and blah, 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 blah. And so Bav Morda rounds up anyone who's pregnant Inspects the babies and just kills a bunch of them. That's right. And so uh, the one that becomes the baby, uh, the midwife, takes it mm-hmm. and, and runs away. Yep. And, and I have this in my notes. So the, the dogs, which are kind of dogs? They're Craig, that, wolves, that's your cup of tea. What exactly so, is that so that is going after? They have a specific midwife. name in this movie. A lot of the monsters do. But it's all very based on fantasy lore and, yeah. and D&D and stuff. Like, you know, so I, I would probably say that they're most similar to a barcast, which is like this weird wolf-like were-creature type thing. Okay. It typically eats goblins, but uh, it looks very similar. It has uh, like sort of an emaciated face, no fur on its face, which these don't have either. Uh, I, I would I would argue that if you're running a Willow campaign at home and you need a monster to replicate <laughs> those, you go with a barcast. Now, I was a little surprised because the two 
dog looking things. They attack the old lady and kill her. But then, you know, the baby is fine. Like, couldn't they have smelled the baby too and then mauled that thing to death? Well, they that- weren't that bright. And not just that, that, they just let the dogs go. Like, how do they know if the Uh, dogs succeed if they all of a sudden run back? uh, Yeah, it's not a very well thought out plan. No, generally not. Uh, But I will say... There are a couple, like, plot hole moments. (laughs) (laughs) I will say, it takes a certain amount of evil to be like, like, you know, when, like, somebody's like, sir, like, the, this midwife ran off with a baby. We think that it's very suspicious. What should we do? Send the barcasts. Uh, the wolf monsters that are going to eat this old woman? Yes. Did I stutter? <laughs> no, sir, you didn't. Release them. Uh, should we? Hey, General Kale said to go and release them. Just go and let these things do their business. You would think that you would also have someone go along with them to verify that they've done what you want them to do. Right? Maybe the dogs are just that much faster than the humans, so they got there first. Who knows? Doesn't matter. At some point, matter. Yeah. And then we could pick holes at this all day. And then kind of George Lucas style, borrowing from the Bible, pretty much the baby gets sent off just like baby Moses yeah. down, down the, the river <laughs> in this, you know, little crib type of deal. That scene like went on longer than I expected. Yeah. It did. I, I have on here in my notes too, Wrath Wrath of Khan music, because that's what the music sounded like almost identical, which he wrote. Warner wrote. Which he wrote. <laughs> so I think he probably just went, you know what, Wrath of Khan would fit really good here yeah. while the, which, that's while the midwife's getting attacked. Another complaint of his is he borrows from his own music and just reworks it. <laughs> yeah, I, I actually, I think I wrote down three other times yeah. where I caught a reference to a different crazy movie he did that the sound's coming from. But sure. that was my first one, Wrath of Khan. Yep. Uh, so, so then Willow's kids then we see Willow. yep. uh, He's just working in the field. He's working working in his land, trying to, you know, plant some crops and big fat. I don't even know what his name is. I didn't bother to write it down because I hated him. Town thug. Yeah, and he's like a lot bigger than the rest of them. Burgle cut. cut. Burgle cut. Burgle cut. He's he's thinking he's stealing seeds to to work on his farm. He's giving them a hard time. You're no sorcerer, uh, Willow. I'm going to be a sorcerer. Ah, Screw you. Yeah. And while all that's going on, his kids come across the baby at the... Yeah, and the wife. And the wife at the river. I When the kids appeared, I thought, oh, this is going to be one of those movies where the kids have all these lines. And they're tastefully in there. They're only in there enough to give a few adorable little, like, sure. but daddy, we love the baby type moments. And that's about it. You don't have, like, tons of dialogue from the kids. They weren't I, bad either. They were pretty good. Yeah, no, I thought they did fine. They sounded yeah. adorable. Yeah. yeah. I love Willow's response to the baby, too. Oh, just send it back down the road. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, a human? No, a I, human? Get that thing out of my no, sight. No, Daikini. Daikini, that's right. Yeah. They're, they're refer- the humans are Daikini. Daikini. He's yeah. a smart man, though. Like, he doesn't want any more kids. He's got enough. He's got to feel the plow. He's well, like, nah, we don't need any more. And I think he had a hunch that it was going to be trouble, too. Oh, totally. It was just going to make more work for oh, him. Oh, you mean just a random baby showing up on the shore of a river might be trouble? Yeah, you what think, could go wrong? Do you think when Moses was picked up, one of the like pharaohs was like, no, 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 no. You just send that right back into the Nile where you found it. Probably. But it's cute. <laughs> It's not going to cause trouble for us later. I'd like to imagine that played out exactly the same way it did in Willow. Yeah, 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 it's got to have. Shot for shot, that's how that went. (laughs) Yeah, that's probably what it is. And then I've got written in my notes here, here comes the first fade out, George Lucas style. Oh, God, those are everywhere. (laughs) Straight up Star Wars wipe. Oh, they so are. The the first time I saw that, I honestly rewound it, and I was like, no. (laughs) I was like, this is not. And I was like, oh, right, Lucas. Which is crazy because he didn't edit this movie. No, he... uh, I... (sighs) 
You know he what, probably, must have, though. He must have been right behind Ron I was, Howard. I was going to say. Like, you got to do this. It's cool. It um, worked in Star Wars. Um, in Star Wars, which has made us a ton of money, I really feel like this would be good. Yeah, Lucas, we got it. Why well, does Lucas fair, sound like it, Stephen Hawking all of a sudden? Hello. <laughs> well, the editor, Please edit it this way. In the, that era, were you going to argue with George Lucas? No. Yeah, no, right. I wouldn't have. The, the editor for this film is the one that does all of the editing for all of George for all of um for all of Ron Howard's films. Oh. And okay. Ron Howard doesn't do this in no. his lighter movies. Nope. So, had to be Lucas. It, it had to be, right? Yeah. I'll bet you Lucas threw it in there before and didn't tell <laughs> Ron. Yeah, he, uh, he has final cut. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Now, I got to say, uh, the I felt like the festival was a nice little bit of world building. Yeah. yeah it, it wasn't was. bad. It like cuz normally in a lot of fantasy movies it's like sort of like high stakes, get them in there real quick, have like, you know, tons of action right off the bat and the the wolf attack, you know, yeah, there's some action there, you know, the mm-hmm. all the town guards fight it off with like a spear and kill the thing or whatever, but like I felt like the festival him doing magic tricks and stuff like But you get a good payback of the magic tricks cuz then he does that at the end. Yeah, that's to save right. The day. Yeah. So I thought that was okay. You're right. And, and, and for, for as much as we bitch about um, George Lucas sometimes, this particular movie, things were properly set up and properly paid off. I think so. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I thought the pacing was good pretty much throughout. Yeah. There's, there's a moment coming up in the movie where I felt like the pace sort of derails a little bit, but we'll get to that. Sure. Yeah, we essentially, the, the festival happens. One of those creatures... Interrupts the festival. Bonkist. We find out that it was destroying like some baby cribs and whatnot. So then they have a council meeting, and they're like, obviously, they're it, this creature's looking for a baby. Obviously, Willow. <laughs> obviously, this creature is looking for baby cribs. <laughs> uh, Throw out all the baby cribs. <laughs> yeah. And so Willow. <laughs> That's like straight up Simpsons right there. <laughs> <laughs> You know what I mean? Must be after baby cribs. Yeah. It makes sense to me. Throw them all out. <laughs> and almost like Simpsons mob fashion, too. Because <laughs> they all start rioting. Yeah, yeah that, that town hall was like... It was intense. They, they were real excited to kill a baby. Yeah, they were. Like, they were like, okay, let's just throw it out in the woods and get rid of the thing. And it was like... And Willow's like, no, 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 it's going to get killed. And they're like, and your point being... Yeah, and so the head wizard... Um, Ends up telling Willow or, or prophesizes to Willow. What animal was he using to prophesize it? I can't remember. What did he make him do? It was bones. It was bones. That was the animal bones. He the was. bones have spoken. <laughs> yeah, the bones have spoken. And that so, is so D and D, by the way. Having really? having a, have, I I just feel like that is such a wonderful way to add some like kind of like shamanistic type things. Like if you want to tell the players something and you want it to be from like a very like spiritual person, you have them roll some bones and it's like the bones say to do this. And it's like, Oh man, this guy really knows his shamanism. <laughs> that's that's standard D and D. You can argue with bones. No, you're not. <laughs> There's nothing to argue <laughs> with. Do you, do you think George Lucas plays D and D? Without a doubt. I think so. He was in his like what? Twenties in the like seventies. Yeah. Yeah. He probably played D and D. He was a big nerd. Yeah, in the, in the late well, 70s, no, the creator big, of Star Wars, a he big was a, nerd? He was oh, a big oh, filmmaker oh, nerd. He was a film nerd. Um, I feel like in college he had to have played a little bit. Maybe not a ton, but a little bit of D&D. George Lucas, if you're listening, <laughs> please let <laughs> us know. I know you are. <laughs> sure yeah. You don't have anything better to do these days. <laughs> and you're just catching up on, on Willow, I wonder the what, movie uh, you made. I wonder what people think about the movie Willow. George, I'm he's pretty here. sure by this oh point my God, he's... 
Oh boy, we're getting and derailed here. And he just here. turned off the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we we then go kind of Lord of the Rings style here because essentially Willow is going to be grouped with some other. Yeah, the people dwarves. like volunteers. Yeah, which volunteers. I love the one warrior on... volunteers. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, Burgle cuts like he's our finest warrior. He can't go, and they're like, "Well, we need a leader." Burgle cut, you go, and then it's like, "Oh, we'll bring the warrior guy." Of course, he's coming I with hate us. Burgle cut. That was I fantastic. So I loved that moment so much. And so essentially, they're they're on this quest to find a human, and what was a human called again? LPJ. Uh, a daikini. Thank you. A daikini. And they're just going to leave the baby with the daikini, regardless of who it is. Yeah. And go to the crossroads. And then they're done. So they do go to the crossroads. I like, I gotta say, I like the scenery as they walk through like the woods and stuff. Yeah, it was really Very pretty. Endor. (laughs) It it really did. Yeah. Yeah. Very Endor. Looked very nice though. And yeah, then they arrive at the crossroads and they find it's like, what do they call those little jail cells? Like a, 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 like a crow's jail or crow's, crow's uh, nest? Cr- or? Uh, crow's cage. Crow's, crow's, nest. crow's, crow's cage, cage yeah. that's right. And it's Mad Mardigan. That's right. Who, no, it's Mad Mardigan. Mad Mardigan. <laughs> Mad Mardigan. Who I wrote down, he looks just like Jim Morrison, which he plays him <laughs> yeah. in The Doors a oh, few totally. years later. Oh, weird. Like That must be like what got the uh, Oliver Stone to be like, I need Val Kilmer <laughs> to be my Jim Morrison for The Doors. Because he looks just like him with the long hair. He looks just like Jim Morrison in a cage. Yes. Oh, I, I can use this later. <laughs> I I feel like Val Kilmer's acting when he's being like goofy was kind of crummy. Pop quiz, hot shot. Oh. Oh, here we go. What percentage of Val Kilmer's dialogue was ad libbed? Um, I'm gonna say probably like seventy percent because I'd say seventy percent of the lines I didn't like. I'll go half, fifty percent. I was gonna go. I'll go. I'll go 75. 80 to 85% of his dialogue was completely ad How did I know? He doesn't really uh, talk much. And when he does, it's either some dumb joke or you're right. It's something stupid yeah, altogether. When he's when he's being serious, like when uh, when that old friend of his sees him in the cage and he's like, ah, you're a piece of crap. And he like uh, marches off and he's like, you'll be dead before me. Like I thought, oh, there's a fair amount of emotion there. He sounds pretty good. And then when he's like, give me some water, give me some water. Oh, you're, you're going to give me some water. It was like, oh, my God. God, Val Kilmer, shut up! And then when he's crying, I don't, I don't know why I try. That was, that was brutal. <laughs> that was, that, brutal. yeah, that part was. It was cringy. Cringy. Yeah, it was. That wasn't great. But when he's being a little bit more serious and being like the hero role, I didn't think he was that bad. No, I agree. Oh yeah. I uh, but the uh, the fellowship breaks up. Yeah. Uh, Burgle, Burgle cut, Burgle cut. Yeah, Burgle they're cut. like, eh, fuck this, we're out. <laughs> Yeah, like, this guy, this guy in a cage looks fine. Let's yeah, go. He's good. We're gone. And they don't even let him go out of the cage. The, oh, yeah. the rest of the group. So it's like, yeah, all right, this is gonna work out fine. Uh-huh. Yeah, totally. They didn't want to go anyway. They take off. Nope. Willow's buddy, I uh, stays and. Yeah. Like, he doesn't stay that much longer, so I wonder why he did. He doesn't. He's the one that ends up opening the cage. Yeah. Well, I, I thought that was weird. Willow sends him away. Yeah. Oh, that's right. He does. Willow, yeah. Willow yeah. sends yeah. him away because he was says, you know, go give this message to my wife. Tell her I'm going to be okay. But then even no, actually, Willow is about to leave. Remember, like him and his friend were heading back to oh, yeah. the yeah. after that's they right. gave the baby because they did. They did legit give the baby to Val Kilmer. But then all of a sudden, the brownies show up. And, oh, and right. they, they have see. the baby. <laughs> yeah, so brownies are actually a British like folklore thing. They're like little pixie people that are, you know, like the, the 
uh, like the gnomish shoe cobblers and folk, like folk tales and stuff. Yeah. That would be a brownie. Little the tiny people that help people out and punish people who are lazy, things like that. Uh, and so the like the brownie is like, come on, stupid, man, like flies on an eagle, uh. and it's just like, oh, this is going to be really obnoxious, isn't it? And I wrote yeah. down here because they get tied down, which is like. Gulliver's Travels, yeah. which is Jonathan Swift, who he's Scottish, so that makes sense that there's that folklore with the English. Oh, then. yeah, that That fits. all kind of ties in. I'm happy you shared that. Um, and then eventually this this fairy shows up, says that she's going to you know, release Willow. He's going to go on this mission to, to get the baby to this king and queen, and then she ultimately gives him... The, is that where he gets the acorns? The, oh no, he gets no, the acorns, no, acorns, from, acorns from the wizard. From the wizard right. Yeah, the, the wizard. The, the acorns that turn him into stones. This he is where he gets the wand. wand. Yeah, okay. he gets the wand. He gets the wand at I this point. I will say, I really appreciate the fact that the the that there's a good reason why he's chosen by destiny. Is the fairy queen says you need to do this, and he's like, yeah, but I'm I'm just just this regular person like i'm a farmer like I can't do this. I'm no sorcerer, and she's like, yeah, but the baby chose you. And he's like, yeah, but, and he starts talking to the baby. He's like, you don't want me, right? And she's like giggling and laughing because she likes Willow because he's been raising her for the last however many days or whatever, you know, taking care of her. 20 minutes or so. In movie time, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, and so, yeah, I I, I appreciated that. It, it's You're chosen by destiny not because you're really destined to do good things, but the person who is the destiny of this world has chosen you. No, no pressure, however. <laughs> None. So, so Willow continues the voyage. He goes into this human town uh, and is like going around the bar asking for milk for the baby, <sighs> which seems like a off. horrible yeah. idea. That's where he runs into Val Kilmer, who is trying to, I guess he was like sleeping with the chick. Uh, the husband shows up, so he's all dressed up and there's all he's that in a dress. Yeah, pretending to be a woman. Yeah. <laughs> and he, the whole time the brownies are with him and they're really obnoxious and I kind of hate them. Yeah, I, I have a line here, you know, that finally, you know, Will confronts him. He's like, how'd you lose the baby? He's like, well, you know, we stole him while you were taking a pee-pee, I think was the literal <laughs> line. Well, like, with the exception of... Lord. So those two guys, Kevin Pollack and um, I can't for the life of me remember the other guy's name. Um, they're improv comics. Obviously, yeah. Kevin Pollack is a famous actor, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, but at the time he was just an improv comic. I'm sure that's what they did the whole time. The right? entire, with the exception Ugh. of this, with the exception of the specific lines designed to move the plot along, all of their lines were improvised, and they did them um, on a green screen in a studio. So oh, they were okay. all added in afterward. And then in their downtime... I mean, they kind of play out like that in the movie. Yeah. yeah. And in their downtime, they would hang out at the bar and just do, like, improv, cla- improv like uh, performances at the bar for the cast and crew and whoever would show up. Which, Weird. Which, which, which you mentioned, you know, the, the special effects side of things. Maybe make a brief mention right now at this point, kind of sure. what we're seeing. So, I mean, essentially, you've got, yeah, the brownies that are being miniaturized playing that way. I thought it looked okay. Oh, the look sure. wasn't bad. Yeah, well, they the look were, wasn't bad. They were obnoxious, but yeah. the look was not that bad. I no, mean, it was for good. an 88 movie? Yeah. That yeah. was pretty yeah, decent. It was, it was yeah. serviceable for sure. Yeah, it, looked, it looked totally fine. Essentially, what I kind of got out of it special effects wise is it reminded me, and it, it's exactly that era. I think I don't like late 80s visual effect attempts. Mm-hmm. Like, they just sometimes look really out of date to me sure. to a point that prior to that 
you can still pull it off or they would still do things in certain ways that seem believable. I just feel like a lot of these movies and fantasy movies and action movies in the late 80s are thinking they're further ahead than they really exactly. are. Because I'm thinking like RoboCop with the stop motion. There's a lot of stop motion in this movie as well that looks very aged. Yeah, it's that um, it's that weird gray area between where digital, yep. uh, digital effects kind of took over and where practical effects were kind of being phased out. Mm-hmm. And they had that weird middle ground where they would do things like green screens and camera tricks and stuff like that. And, and sometimes it, it looked great. Like, it looked okay with the brownies. It looked okay when you saw, like, the castle near the end. But then other times, I, I thought it looked pretty poor. So I just wanted to kind of bring that part up. Sure. Um, they had this big wagon chase. I wrote down, here's my second mention. This sounds like... Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade music. Yep. He didn't do that one yet. No, but so, I'm sure he... so he must have recycled it for Indiana Jones. Even though it would have uh, been John Williams, I guess. But yeah. anyway. I thought the uh the wagon chase was kind of kind of neat. I liked all the the weapons that the yeah, knights it was were a using. Fun, yeah. It was <laughs> a totally. fun see, yeah, the ninja death star thing yeah, kind of sure. gets thrown they at them. They had shurikens, they were they were throwing, they had uh like felchins, they had flails they were swinging around. I was I was for me, I was just thinking the whole time, like, man, this is this is kind of neat, all the yeah. weapons and stuff. I was starting to phase out a little bit the last time I was watching it, uh, just be, during the uh, the brownie part, and then we get to that scene. I'm like, okay, I'm no, I'm back. Yeah, that, like you're that. right. That that bar scene did kind of drag a bit, mm-hmm. uh, but you're right. As soon as the wagon picks up, lots of action. Yeah, things start to really pick up at that point. I mean, they they have this other escape that they're doing. I wrote down that it looks like they're on Hoth when they're like in the mountains, yep. uh-huh. but somehow they're like on this sled that seems to be able to do everything that they need it to do. Yeah. And that you was know, a little cheesy. And, and I guess I, we haven't really mentioned they're they're essentially running away from the the queen's daughter that has the army yeah, general Sorcia's Kale the captain with her. Of the guard. Yeah, so they're trying to get the baby and capture <laughs> exactly. it. Exactly. So we didn't really mention that. Now, what's interesting is they need it alive. And this yeah. this makes me feel like the queen of this movie, Queen, uh, what's her name again? Bev Morda. Bev, Bev Morda. Yeah. Uh, is perhaps one of the most evil characters of like just about any movie from that era. She wants this baby so that she can capture it, perform a ritual, essentially destroy its soul so that it can't be reborn to cause her trouble later. Is that the most evil thing ever? To kidnap a baby, to destroy its soul, not even just to kill it, destroy the baby's soul. I didn't even catch that part. Like, I didn't. Never even occurred to me that that's what it, the whole plot was. Oh yeah, because they. She I, says I she needs it alive. Figure it out. She needs I'm it happy alive. You did. Yeah. Well, well I knew she yeah. needed. I think it's on the villain. I think it's talked about more in the be covered more in the beginning. Yeah, in the beginning, she makes mention because they're like, you know, I think somebody says like, "Oh, are we to kill the child, ma'am?" And she's like, "No, I need it alive." And she explains that she needs to do this ritual, which we'll see at the end of the movie. Right. Yeah. But how evil is that? That's super evil. Destroy a baby's soul. At this point, we get a forced romance thrown on us, which I feel like had to be necessary for a fantasy movie, I guess. It just, it was rough, I thought. I thought it was really, really forced. It was Val Kilmer and... um, the the queen's daughter. Well, he he, he gets of, hit yeah. with like love some potion. fairy love yeah. potion dust. Mm-hmm. Whatever. That part was silly, but I know that later on there's some scenes that were cut that expand upon that, 
and expand upon why she switched sides. I was going to say, I felt yeah, like if the it, movie were a little oh. bit longer, they could have explained that better. That would have been, been nice. Done well, but yeah, there was, was a couple scenes that ended up getting quickly. cut. There was the, the one old man in the beginning that prophesied that she would betray her, but yeah. you're right. It, it didn't really, that part did not pay back very well. No, the there, was more, there was more to that whole prophecy and all that stuff, and that just I will, ended up getting cut. I will say, my favorite quote of the movie by far is uh, when Willow is yelling at him because, you know, like, uh, Mad Mardigan under the effect of the love potion is talking about how how, like he can't imagine life without this girl spouting and stuff. poetry <laughs> yeah spouting poetry and so willow's like getting mad and kicking him and stuff and he's like you idiot you were reciting poetry to him to her and he his line verbatim is i don't love her she kicked me in the face and there's Jeez. i don't know why but i started cracking up at the notion that just that's his reasoning for not loving her is she kicked me in the face and i just thought that was really funny we we then have kind of our our final two battle scenes that well, happen. Well, we here. we have to bring up uh, uh, the other sorceress. Oh yeah, that's right. She shows up. She was turned into a possum. She was turned into a possum. And Pop quiz, hot shot. So this is uh, Finn Rizal, is the name of the new sorceress. Okay. Finn Rizal. Rizal, yeah. Finn Rizal. Uh, how many? So she. So the whole the whole kind of conceit behind her is she got turned into a dead animal. Uh-huh. Will is using the rod, the the magic wand to kind of turn her back. Yeah. How many different animals did she turn into before she was returned to her human? I'm form? gonna guess. Ooh, there was that part at the end where she's like changing yeah, all over bunch. the place. God, it's I probably wrote it down. like I'm gonna say like twelve. I I, no, I feel not. like it was not that much. I think it was like six ish because it's possum to crow. To uh, Ost- goat, I got goat, and then ostrich, Twitch. peacock, tiger, turtle, turtle, and t- then tiger. tiger. So what are we at? Nine. Uh, that's seven. Seven. So we're gonna say seven. It is seven. Uh-huh. That's correct. Yes. And, and that's also that scene is super famous because that's the first time we see morphing. First, ever time, first mainstream, first film. mainstream time we you ever see. see morphing. Yep. That I morphing didn't think it looked happen. that bad. I mean, it's, I it's actually a little, don't think it looked that bad. A little at all. cheesy, but it's not yeah. bad. No, yeah. good. Yeah. So, and we we mentioned that in our T two episode that we did because obviously yeah. the T one thousand morphs throughout the film. Oh, and right, right. That's kind of where this comes from. So then we've got the two big battles. I'm sorry, I yes. kind of jumped us ahead. So the Very first fun. the first battle, I don't know what it is. He, I think, is it Kilmer or is it Will that like chops the thing? Its brain really gross, like falls into the water, and ah. then it becomes this this twin brontosaurus, as I wrote down. So, I have a fair amount to talk about here. Alright. So, uh, the, while the enemies are like ba- you, like making their own battering ram, you have the, the heroes like, yeah, preparing traps and stuff. chaotic at this point to kind of set the stage. You got, you got the army storming in, you got this weird magical thing getting formed. There's a lot well, of Well, no, it's the trolls. On. Yeah. The trolls. Yep, okay. so trolls uh, have infested this fortress, and they start attacking Willow. Willow tries to use the wand, and the effects look utterly disgusting. Yeah. It turns into this like fleshy like pod, and heads start growing out, like John Carpenter style. Oh, oh yeah, it it's twisted. Totally thing. Yeah, totally I I thing. really loved that effect. I loved the way it looked. I loved the monster. He kicks it into the moat and doesn't think twice about it. But then it starts growing, and it's this two headed. Uh, beast. It's essentially like a hydra, fire-breathing hydra. However, uh, its name is the Eborsisk. Uh, uh, Pop quiz! Pop quiz, hot shot! Where does the name Eborsisk come from? I actually know this. I'll wait and see if you guys do. 
I, I have no idea. Eborskis? Eborsisk. Eborsk. I got nothing. All right. It's oh. named after film critics Siskel and Ebert. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Apparently, there's a, a, a few gags in this movie where villains and characters are named after movie critics. Uh, apparently, the gag was like the scariest monster to a movie creator is the critics. And so nice. Siskel and Ebert got named as the two headed Hydra monster, which looks really cool. It does like, look really e- cool. Even if the effects aren't it, always perfect on it, it's very stop motion. That's, that's yeah, and, so and, yeah, but that's what they have. And I'll grant know. you that the, the effects don't always look that great on it, but at least the monster's design looks really interesting and scary and stuff. Well, it reminded me of the Rancor from Return of the Jedi when it starts mm-hmm. eating things. It, it was very similar scenes in how they were that. played yeah. out. So, but where was the that moat wasn't that deep. Where was the other half of this monster? Yeah. Uh, you only see like the front two paws. It and digs two... into the earth. Maybe. Do you want yes. the Do you want the dungeon master uh, excuse? Sure. Magic. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, through this scene, the baby does get taken. Yeah, by General uh, uh, Kale. Kale. Uh, Kale. Which I, every time I think of the name General Kale, does he does he eat kale all the time? I don't know. He or is, so is he anti kale? I don't feel like kale was nearly as popular back then, so I'm sure <laughs> that George Lucas was like, "This will age wonderfully." <laughs> well, that was George himself. I just said that. So <laughs> thank you for that, George. Yes, you're welcome, boys. All right. So then they're outside the main castle, and they have more in his castle. Yes, and there is this plan. To act like a gopher, I think it was, right? Because they're trying oh, to figure out how well, they're going to storm in, and Willow decides did to bring you, in that But offer. you missed the first part before that. Like, one of the most disgusting scenes in the movie. Yeah, that when, was hard to I watch. thought that was afterwards. When they all start getting turned to pigs? Yeah, I thought no, that, that was, was before. No, that was before. Oh, is they, that yeah, first? That and then, and then right after that, how Willow, do they how do they no longer become the sorceress? The sorceress yeah. fixes that's them. right. Yep. Okay, I'm sorry, I mixed up the plot because they're yeah, getting so, ready to storm the gates. Right. And so then, that's right. And that's when the queen, to, yeah, like, turns into pigs. They, they, I felt like there should have been a special effect there. She just like moved her hand, and that was it. Yeah, they, but they should have gone like, empty. like the emperor style and shoot some lightning or some do shit. You, for the record, do you know how ridiculously powerful she would have to be to polymorph? Every single one of those soldiers. The polymorph spell is like fourth level. Okay. Like, it, like there's no way a traditional magic user in Dungeons and Dragons has that many polymorph spells. She's ridiculous. Well, there's a reason why she's the queen, Craig. Yeah, yeah right? that's, that's what I'm implying. And, and you're right. It is. I thought that scene paid off pretty well when they're turning into pigs. That looked pretty good. It did. It was bad, but it was gross. It was yeah. When their hand, like when uh, Mad Mardigan's hand starts turning into a hoof, I honestly kind of cringed. Like, but not in like, oh, this is bad way. Just like a, oh god, my stomach. Yeah, it was very unsettling. I thought they pulled that off. I'll never eat pigs' feet again. I thought too they were gonna kind of keep them kind of deformed as pigs, which I was kind of taken aback when they just (laughs) look like they just look like teacup pigs at the end. I'm like, oh wait. Yeah, they, they, that, that's, that's a point, hell of a transformation. There. At that point, they just tossed a bunch of pigs on the scene, <laughs> and they're like, "All right, well, film. There we go." This is not a pop quiz, but uh, that was actually one of the hardest films, one of the hardest scenes to film, because every time they'd go to start filming, they'd have pigs in the background having sex with each other. Oh, no. So they had to constantly spray them down with cold water to make sure they wouldn't do that. That's now that's gross. Yeah, that might be my favorite piece of trivia from this movie. Mm-hmm. A lot of pig fucking. <laughs> LPJ dropping all the there goes, F-bombs There goes our PG-13 rating. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's been gone for a while now. It's your yeah. third one. Man. So, yes, you're right. So, 
Um, then then she they, they yeah, the, she she becomes human. Yep. The, the sorcerer brings them all back to life. That's when Willow has the plan to do the gopher and to come out from the ground. At first, it's just Willow and the sorceress. They're like, hey, let us in. Give us the baby or you're going to feel the wrath of these two sorcerers destroy you. They kind of laugh like, yeah, 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 whatever. And then that's when, boom, the whole army comes up from the ground. Well, no, they open the gates. That's right. They to open go the attack gates and kill the sorceress and Willow. And then while the gates are open, everyone's like, no, I'm just kidding. We're in this big hole. Let's go. And they kind of jump up and go after They had them. to use magic to make those holes, right? Like, there's no I, way. There's no way you had that many <laughs> shovels ready to dig that many holes that right. deep. And uh, they would see them from the wall. That magic. was my other thought. I'm like, was no one watching the whole time these holes are being made? I liked uh, Val Kilmer's line, too, when it came to yelling at Willow for his dumb idea for the gophers. He goes, this is war, not agriculture. <laughs> like really that, that's the best you could come up with right now i'm assuming that was ad-libbed i hope so which is not good uh yeah they storm it i said the choreography is pretty weak i i figured for a fantasy action type of movie they should have done a little bit better job with the fighting scenes i thought they weren't yeah, fantastic they weren't great you know, they, they weren't great but i think we're spoiled on stuff like lord of the rings you're probably right. I think yeah. too because I think they're trying to keep the rating down for it, sure. so they probably didn't oh, want to show a true. lot of like swords through the midsection. I will which... say there is a few moments where you see like like I, and they cut it at one point. Uh, one of the characters I noticed some I, it might have even been in a in the background is about to get his face stabbed in, and they cut it right beforehand. And mm. I was like, oh, but okay, yeah, PG thirteen. Yeah. All right, I get it. And so they make it to the top of the castle, and we have the showdown between <coughs> the two sorcerers. <coughs> oh, oh, I God. think I the think, wizard duel. I think Craig has something to say. I think so. Do you? <laughs> so. Yes, I most certainly do. Uh, so, uh, a few spells that I noticed get used, uh, or at least their equivalents in D&D, would be like Scorching Ray, Cone of Cold. At one point, she like puts out her hands and all like the wave of ice hits her. Uh, telekinesis, she throws uh, her around the room. Uh, animate Object, uh, she casts a spell and it turns a table into like a monster. Uh, so, like these are all Dungeons & Dragons spells. They might not have gone for that, quote-unquote, but for the record... All of these spells I listed, if I'm not mistaken, were available in the very first edition of D&D in the late 70s. So there's no way they didn't have access to it to some degree. And yeah, the wizard duel doesn't look great, but I appreciate the fact that the, the whole movie is built around sorcery. And so the main battle is, you know, this these sorceresses fighting. But I just feel like maybe it would have been better if the one sorceress maybe ran out of magic and needed to rely on Willow to finish the job, and so it was more yeah, on him. because he's just kind of sitting yeah. in the background doing nothing. Yeah, I, I felt like Willow should have been, you know, it like, like I don't know, I it may, maybe it would have been kind of lamed just suddenly he's this master sorcerer or whatever, but like, I don't know, maybe like he channels the power of destiny from the baby or something and can cast spells, I don't know. Yeah, well, I mean, not- it's his journey, so I think it would have, it probably would have felt right. I don't know. I, I kind of like the way it played out because, I mean, if you think about it, mm-hmm. they've essentially only been on this journey for, what, maybe a week? Maybe It's, a long it's time, hard to right? say. When yeah. he gets introduced back to the village, it seems like he was gone like months or years, the way the happiness Well, maybe he's stuck yeah. around. I don't know. Travel don't time know. in D&D does take a while. Right. So, <laughs> okay. you know. so my point is, it's not, like, it's not like he had time to sit and train. And so True. he used what he knew. He knew that that crappy disappearing pig magic trick, and that's what he used. 
Well, he that also, was he, pretty cool. I, liked, I did. I really enjoyed that. And I liked how even before that he tried to throw the acorn at her, sure, to yeah. turn it to stone, and it was working for a brief moment. And then, like Craig has mentioned, way too th- powerful. That chick's way too powerful. Like this acorn ain't doing her, shit. Her constitution saving throw is like through the roof. <laughs> all right, it's ridiculous. She's got like a plus twenty on that. On it's that insane. Save. She yeah. she has advantage on the roll. It's crazy. Sure. I mean, I did put down. This is the best old lady fight I've ever seen. Oh, in cinema. I I worked at McDonald's, I can tell you. (laughs) I mean, in a movie, though. In a a movie, this might be. I don't know, man. We had a lot of stuff on security (laughs) footage. Getting getting pissed that they didn't get their senior discount coffee or something. I'm sensing an idea for a new podcast now. (laughs) This is an Enigma McMuffin. I want my money back. I want The shit LPJ saw on McDonald's closed closed circuit television. Where's my decaf? <laughs> anyway. Uh, <laughs> Bye, senior audience. <laughs> they can't oh. use podcasts. <laughs> yeah, they don't know how so, that works. I will say, the only part that threw me off in the wizard fight is they're using magic. Tons of magic. All these spells are going off. And then she starts decking the queen in the face. <laughs> she just starts she does. She's she's a, like punch. cold coxer, and it's like, like Rocky style. Yeah, and I was like thinking to myself, like, man, there goes all honor as a sorceress <laughs> just right out the window. If the if the magic using guild was like flying by on a magic carpet and stopped, they'd just be like, whoa, your guild license is getting revoked. No, she's she's uh, dual class. She's a fighter too. <laughs> fighter, fighter, uh, sure, uh, or a, a a monk sorceress. Yeah, monk sorceress. Yeah, and, and so that you know that they they win. I guess. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's it. I mean, it, it's kind of a weird ending. I wrote down. So what happened to the witch? Did she end up dying? I guess. Well, she or? got sucked to that. Uh, oh, oh yeah. she got sent to the she, some realm. So I thought that was kind of neat. So she's preparing the ritual at the end, yeah. and you know she has this like you know blood that's been cursed or whatever, and so the the ritual's ready to go. She just needs the baby to slap on the altar, and as uh. Uh, you know, I almost said Wicket. Uh, <laughs> Willow, Willow. As soon as Willow, I uh, you know, does the trick and makes it seem like the baby's gone, because he says he's like, I'm gonna send this baby to a dimension where you'll never hurt her, and he does that, and the queen freaks out. He passes his performance check. She fails miserably on insight, and like, they just like, she's just like, wait, wait, where's the baby? Impossible. It's just impossible. And she freaks out trips into like the ritual as she's like trying to like you know throttle poor willow spills the blood on the ground the lightning strikes her ritual and her soul gets destroyed i thought that was an interesting way to end it because i wasn't quite sure you know you have this baby who is supposed to be able to beat her and she's like the chosen one so i'm like well what are they gonna do you know as you're watching the movie it's like well how are they gonna deal with her in the meantime so I felt like that was a good way to like clean up that loose end without like yeah. really jumping the shark and like, oh, Willow became the best wizard in the world well, and defeated her. That brings up a good question. Did they need the baby? Sure. No. Well, I they? would argue they do because if if Willow just said, hey, I'm a good sorcerer, I can I can send people to other dimensions and he didn't have the baby. She'd just be like, all right, whatever, I don't care. But the moment she had the baby, or she thought that he had the baby and pretended it was gone, it was because the baby is in the situation that she advanced and, like, fell into her own trap. No, I get that part. Mm -hmm. What I'm saying is the prophecy was the baby would grow up and destroy Bavmorda. Well, I thought the prophecy was that she would just become the empress of the world or whatever. 
and Bev Morda is the one who is like, I'm going to rule the world. Screw that, baby. I want it soul destroyed. Oh, I don't know. I thought that's what I'll it was. I'll double check it. Double check it. I could be wrong, and it might be a plot hole, but I feel like that's the way it was. Oh, uh, hold on. Here it is. Mm-hmm. The prophecy states that a female child with a special birthmark will herald the downfall of the evil sorceress. Ah, there we go. There's your MacGuffin. Yeah, so I I mean, and the baby was the catalyst for all of those events. Without, if you have no baby, Willow doesn't start on his journey. None of those Mm -hmm. things happen. Yep. So she was. All right, fair enough. Oh, you got us again, George Lucas. (laughs) You got us again. Ah, you're welcome, boys. I'm glad you enjoyed the movie. And just George Lucas style. Return to the Shire. Yep. (laughs) Music plays. Celebration. Final Lucas cutout. Credits roll with the music. So but Willow yeah. did magic, though. He, with yeah. the... it, it, I thought it was it was kind of weird that like Mad Mardigan like throws him on the horse. He's gonna stay with the princess, and they're going to be the ones to raise the child, uh, and send you know send Willow or Willow off on his way or whatever. And and that's about it. Uh, though there are a series of novels that are a sequel series to this, and supposedly on Disney Plus, they're trying to work out a Willow series. Where it's like Willow, like with them, it, the actors at their age right now, like how many years have passed and stuff. I'd, I'd see it. I would. Uh, apparently, the books are about the the girl who will eventually become empress, and it's about her like going off and slaying dragons and being a badass. And honestly, when I heard that, I thought, man, that actually sounds kind of cool. Uh, yeah, I'd watch that. Yeah, and they or- were they were actually um, they were written by. George Lucas and uh, Chris Claremont. Oh who yeah, is a yeah. famous comic book art, famous comic yeah. book writer uh, who did a, a lot of the X Men stuff, and they're all stories by George Lucas uh, adapted into these novels, basically. Yeah. So they I'd, were all sequels that he was uh, intending to make for this particular movie. But Willow say, didn't love do very well. well. So they didn't. We'll talk about that ever, if they if they ever were able to make those into movies. I'd I'd watch that for sure. Yeah. Well, we'll talk about that. So um, the budget of this film thirty five million dollars. Which was pretty large at the time. 88, 35 million is a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, box office, uh, I would assume this is domestic. Uh, around that time, they didn't really have um, worldwide. 57.3 million. So it, it did, did o- well. It did okay, but I feel like to Lucas, who was used to Star Wars money, was prob- this was probably a, a, just a, a, a jab to his gut. Oh, yeah. He, he wanted this to be like Star Wars, he wanted it to be it like was- E.T. Yeah, and well, still the huge movies of all time, sure. mm-hmm. and it did not hit that at all. It's a cult classic, and and now. I mean, it was a fun movie, but it's not like like a, a perfect movie by any means. No. Um, before we wrap up on our ratings, do you have any role reversals, LPJ, or no? I do. I have one. Okay. One role reversal. So role reversal is, mm-hmm. um, I will give you the name of an actor. Yeah, and this actor will have either passed on or turned down, or where it's either considered for a role but didn't ultimately get it, or passed on the role. Uh, and you just need to say whether or not you think this actor would have been better or worse than sure. uh, the the person who did get the role. So who we got? We have so for Mad Mardigan, all one word. Uh, John Cusack actually had the role, and then for whatever reason ended up turning it down. No. Unless he was going to be holding a boombox over his head, no. <laughs> yeah, he, he would have had to get fit. I mean, Val Kilmer is tall and fit. I don't think John he would Cusack have looked, is not. 
No, he wouldn't have looked right for the role, but with like all the ad libbing from uh, Val Kilmer, I'm like maybe no, that's true. I think Cusack could have been better on his feet. He would have. I, I think know. the dialogue might have been better. The dialogue might have been better, but I don't think Cusack can pull off the right attitude. No. So this particular character, I don't know if this is the way it was written in the script or not, but this particular character is essentially Han Solo. Oh yeah. Um, he's and he's it's almost the same relationship dynamic with the princess of the movie. Uh, sure. Uh huh. Yeah, he's he's a scoundrel. He's a rogue. Mm-hmm. You know? Now, what if we had Harrison Ford in that role? That would have been, I think. I could live with this that. movie. Would have made a hundred million at <laughs> least at that point. Probably, uh, yeah. I think Val Kilmer did a, a fine job. Yeah, it. I'd probably go with Val Kilmer over John Cusack. Yeah, I would too. Yep, but that's all I have for role reversal. I couldn't really find anything mm-hmm. else. That's fine. All right, we ready to give this guy a rating? Yeah, we could. We could I don't know. We could probably do that. Let me see. I think we should. All right, let me let me let me hit the button. All right, so Matrick, you have not been with us before. Craig, you have, mm-hmm. um, but we usually give our. Oh yeah, Craig's been on our show. Yeah, a few times, yeah, just a few. Um, a couple, you bo- know, back to back episodes. Can I talk? Oh, sorry, I didn't know you're here. Damn. We usually give our guests a chance to go first or go last when it comes to their rating, and it's out of five machine guns, and you can do a half machine gun if you want. So, do you guys want to go first? Do you want to go second? Uh, do you want to go before me, Matrick? Uh, go ahead, Craig. All right. Uh, so I, I I had a lot of fun watching the movie, but like I, I could tell there are definitely moments where like I'm thinking, like, oh, yeah, this is annoying. The brownies are really obnoxious. Oh, Val Kilmer's acting isn't 100%. You know? So I, I think I'm giving this like a two and a half out of five. I feel like it's average, down the middle. It's fun, but it could have absolutely been better. I, I would say I'm going to go three and a half. Because oh. the parts, the the down parts were definitely noticeable, but the the ups had the me the hydra. <laughs> you know, my eyes were glued to the screen. You know, like I'm usually doing other things while I'm watching movies, so I'm playing games, and I that happens, and people are dying in my game while I'm looking like just eyes glued to this movie. It it had a lot of really great moments, um, mm-hmm. so I would go three and a half. I would agree. I think three and a half is is right where I would place this. I mean, granted, my my um, appreciation of this film has a lot more nostalgia behind it sure. because I did see it several times. Um, but I agree. I, I think I enjoy the fantasy elements of it. I think it's a little underrated as far as the general perception of this film goes. Um, I get the cult classic status of it, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I certainly see where it could be better. Um, but overall, I, I am, I'm right with you, Matrick. I, three and a half. I agree. Three and a half machine guns. I wanted to like this movie, and I thought, hey, like Lord of the Rings-esque fantasy. This this is kind of up my alley. I, I could not get into this film. Mm-hmm. Too many things just kind of rubbed me the wrong way. The the acting was poor. Um, you know, you made mention of the brownies and the, and the bad lines and whatnot. So obnoxious. <laughs> just, I, and I, I got kind of bored. Like, before the wagon scene, I got a little bored of it. The crossroads goes on way too long. Yeah, and when we when, when I got confused on the plot near the end, it's because I, I kind of wasn't, I was kind of fading in and out. Mm-hmm. Like, I just had lost interest at the end of the film. It wasn't quite doing enough to, to keep me into it, unfortunately. I'm going to give it two machine guns. It's as high as I'm going to go on this bad boy. So, All right, that's fair. Yeah. All right. Uh, I don't remember what's next. <laughs> well, we have <laughs> I got, our. I got nothing. You're so, it's late. We have it's late. We have our 
final oh, round right. matchup of the hero bracket. That's We're exciting. finally there. It's been mm, uh, four, uh, eight, nine, ten weeks. Sure. This is the tenth let, something this week. <laughs> Enough to count on your hands. Fliff week. It's been a while. <laughs> uh, so yeah. So so we're gonna uh, announce the uh, the final round of the last action action hero bracket. After weeks of voting, it's all come down to this: the finals of the last action podcast hero bracket, where we see. Wolverine facing off against Batman, Marvel versus DC, two anti-heroes, you could say, uh, going up against one another. Uh, so I want to remind you guys, you can vote on Twitter and on Facebook, and if you're a patron, you can go on to Patreon and cast an additional vote. All the votes count. In fact, uh, Wolverine just barely won by one vote, uh, and it all came down to our Patreon, uh, Patreon vote. So there you have it. The finals, Wolverine against Batman. Oh, man. What a final matchup we got here. It's yep. going to be exciting. Yeah. I can't wait. I know. I can't believe. Uh, it's not what, butter. I can't believe they got some of those people got through. Yeah. <laughs> Great work, LPJ. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, this is the Last Action Podcast. We come to you every single Monday. Um, and we've got other podcasts here through the GameZilla network, but uh, you know what? I'm going to let our buddy Craig. We'll let Craig and we'll let Matrick. What do you guys want to plug? Yeah. yeah so Matrick, I'm going to let you go first. Uh, uh, go ahead and uh, lay lay it all out there. What do you, what do you got going on? So I stream on Twitch, twitch.tv slash Matrick on stage, M-A-T-R-I-K on stage. Usually stream older RPGs, currently playing through Fire Emblem three houses although by the time this comes out that will no longer be the case so i don't know what i'm playing come check it out uh 11 a.m eastern you're playing willow the nes game. i'm playing willow, yeah i'll go back and play uh play willow when this comes out um yeah you know 11 a.m eastern until about 4 p.m eastern i also have a youtube channel same thing matrix on stage i do let's plays with my wife usually uh very japanese anime visual novels uh murder mysteries kind of stuff that's great i so I'm on a whole bunch of podcasts. So we've mentioned Legend of Retro. There's Noiseland Arcade where I talk about The Simpsons. Uh, I'm also on Twitch. Uh, I'm on uh, twitch.tv slash Craig underscore WK. I stream from like 8 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. So you get a, a Monday through Friday. So you get a, a, a whole block of random crazy RPGs like every weekday morning from uh, me and uh, Matrick. But... The biggest thing that we want to talk about, of course, is that Noobs and Dragons Season 2 features your buddies, LPJ and Sphinx, as well as Matrick on stage here. So uh, by all means, check it out. If you're loving Last Action Podcast, even if you're on the fence when it comes to Dungeons and Dragons, make sure to go ahead and give it a listen because it's been a ton of fun. Uh, the adventure has been going for a little bit at this point. Uh, but as far as that goes, it's essentially a story of uh, the, the team arriving in the city, finding out their disappearances and going to investigate. You know, kind of it's kind of creepy, suspenseful type stuff. Make sure to go ahead and uh, jump on Noobs and Dragons. And uh, you don't necessarily have needed to listen to season one. So if it seems daunting, just jump right on this into season two so you can listen to LPJ and Sphinx. Whoever it is that uh, does Thelonious, he's a pretty awesome guy. <laughs> he does a lot of good stuff for the team in general. <laughs> Where's my flask? <laughs> oh boy. I got no no man, no way. Uh -uh. 
No, oh. no. If they've so this episode's coming out eh, early September, right? By this point, they'll know what kind of a dumbass you are. No, they they're gonna know I'm great. <laughs> Whether I'm peeing on bushes or making fart sounds or Getting whatever half it may eaten be. By zombies. Yeah, it's oh, all good. Oh boy, yeah, it's uh, a ton of fun. Uh, hopefully, all of uh, your last action podcast fans have put up with all of my Dungeons and Dragons references as we've gone through this episode. I enjoyed it for sure. Good, good. So thanks for being here, guys. We really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks for um, having us. Yeah, I'm really excited that we got to do this. Me too. I know it's nice to not have to roll dice in the middle of uh, our conversation. That's I like true. when Craig doesn't have control over my fate. There, yep. is, there is that part. It's a lot less stressful. I was gonna say my anxiety is a lot less right <laughs> sure. now. So. I have news for all three of you. Oh God! I always control your fates. <laughs> Shit! We're roll playing, initiative, quick. <laughs> whether we're playing a game or not. Hit the music, we're gonna die. This has been the last action podcast. We'll be back, baby. Send help. <laughs> <laughs>